Who is the best American Idol contestant of all time? Sanjaya. Pants on the ground. <laughs> Taylor Hicks. I was not. <laughs> Did you say pants on the ground? I was not expecting pants on the ground, guy. <laughs> Yo, what a um, legend! I didn't expect you to say that. Ground. You said it so seriously. Amber, you don't too. remember? No. Pants on the ground. Oh pants, pants on the on ground. ground. Looking, Looking like, like a fool with your pants, pants on, the on the ground. Oh, <laughs> the Best legend. Destined of all time. That was the, That was you the best we, answer right there. You really felt like we would all say that. I thought for us, it's because we kind of had a conversation about this. No, I before. guess I was thinking of like the top people. Oh, but... like the actual legit like, yeah. best singers. <laughs> yeah. You, do you guys know who Taylor Hicks is? No. Sounds familiar. So. Neither does anybody else. This is why <laughs> Taylor Hicks is funny. First of all, he kind of looks like George Clooney. Oh, it's a boy. He... It's a guy, yeah. He's, uh, okay. He was like an older guy, and he won the show... And then nobody ever heard of him ever again. My man just like decided he wanted to win and then was like, I, I did it. Peace. And then I don't know. I don't really know what happened with him. Like, I think he, he tried won to put on a concert. Five? Like, what genre? Is I, don't, he? I don't remember. Huh? What genre does he like? I think sing? he was like soul and blues. Okay. But he was like, was like, he actually good? Yeah, like I remember watching it. My dad was like, "This guy's gonna win." He just he had this like charismatic personality. And he was like repping the old people, and my dad was like, "That's my guy." And then he ended up winning, and then he like I think he tried to put on a show or a tour. I don't know what it was, but like it didn't even sell enough tickets, and it was just like, damn. And at the time, American Idol was like popping, like it was so big. Mm -hmm. And then this guy like mm -hmm. won, and then we we're like, oh, like what happened with this guy? You know? Because there were some right. American Idol contestants that were like. You know, Kelly Clarkson was obviously huge. Um, yeah. Carrie Underwood. Mm -hmm. um, Jordan Sparks. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. You guys remember Bo Bice? No, uh, no. No. Bo Bice was the guy who went up against Carrie Underwood. He had, like, long hair. He was, like, this rock dude. He was yeah. really cool. But there was a lot of really crazy people. Wasn't it, Chris Daughtry of, on there, too? Yeah, Chris Daughtry. Yeah. And he had the song, I'm mm. coming home. Uh, yeah. Right? That was him? But out of all those people, Amber decided to go with Sanjaya. Sanjaya Malakar, the only Whoa, brown dude don't we ever attack saw. Me like... I had a crush on Sanjaya. Listen, I was here for the brown revolution before it happened, okay? I, there was no I revolution. saw him, and I saw that there was potential of brown people in the entertainment industry, and I was like, that is why I like this man, because he is representing something so much. But did you, like, actually found him, like, genuinely attractive? See, the thing was, I literally never saw another brown person on TV before, and I knew I had to marry a brown man one day. And so I saw this man, and I was like, I have a crush on him. I didn't even care what he looked like at the time. Okay, so so before this, we had we actually, like, we were talking about Sanjaya, mm -hmm. right? And from what Shamir and I recall, he was this, like, cringy dude. And that, everyone like, thought he was whack. Yeah, and I remember him looking like Esqualito from Nacho Libre. Everyone hated him, like... Like back then, everybody was like, "Oh, Sanjaya is like so weird and like Ugh, yeah. his faux hawk." And I was but like, "Sanjaya, we just Sanjaya, we just googled him again." Set this place on fire. Do you remember that song what? that came out? So there's a song that came out because of him. Like somebody made a song about him. I think I've heard you singing the song before. I didn't know there was like a real thing. 
It's a real song, and I used there to was the love girl. it. Amber, do you remember the girl? There was like this like little white girl in the audience that had a thing, a sign of like Sanjay. She was like crying, I think. I you think remember this? so. Hold I forget on. what what it was exactly. You're but bringing I was, like, a lot of like that girl's really Amber. old memory. No, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, that's what I was gonna say. No, but we looked him up on Google, and now I realized that he was ahead of his time. Like, he's a cute young like teenage kid. If he that, was white, like, everybody would have thought he was attracted. He could have been the Justin Bieber. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's the girl. Okay, yeah, there she is crying. I think she was like memed, but um, no, I th- I'm I'm mad at myself for not supporting Sanjaya. But at then. the time, it was weird. No, it was just different, and yeah. like honestly, it was different. I was here it was for different. it. Literally, but like now, a lot of what he what like his styles, the pony hawk. It's a pony hawk. Yeah. Not yeah. a not a mohawk. He it's made out of his long hair. No, not even a faux hawk. It's a pony hawk. He made little ponies. Yeah. It's it's That's if I took my hair. That's what a faux hawk is, my friend. Yes. No, but like it's not short. I know a faux it's hawk is a, a fake mohawk. I know, but like he literally has it in ponies. Yeah, like yeah. probably like, like a faux like hawk. 10. You don't do in ponies. But he mm-hmm. has that going all the way back. But like, we that's searched, pretty sick. We searched him up like what he looks like now, and he just looks like every basic brown DJ. Brown <laughs> DJ. Yeah. He looks like so he could funny. play like a like the cartel in a Mexican movie too. <laughs> <laughs> like he could be Sanjay could be moving mad dope. He's not he ahead to. of his time anymore. He's like back to nineteen eighties. Yeah. He was my very first crush. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, idol idols definitely what we're gonna be talking about um later on. That's why we had this. Oh, but we'd like to thank you guys for listening to an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. Um for us. My name is Amber. And this is brought to you by Aleph Theory, the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. Hello. We have here. Email us, send us your music, strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Share this beautiful podcast to all your friends. Subscribe, share, like. We're also on YouTube. We're on all the streaming platforms, you know that. We're also on all social medias, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the above. We're also yo, now yo, on TikTok. Real quick, we're almost at a we are almost at a thousand subs and a thousand followers on IG. So help us get that. Tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Tell your mama. Let's go. Let's go. We need Everybody. all that support, especially the support that we've been getting for quite a while now from Strange Flavors Town. We got Bobber's Bagels and Cassie's Cupcakes. Wow. Always supporting the podcast. Wow. So we thank like to, you. We'd like to thank you. And if you'd like to also be part of Strange Flavors Town, there's a link down below and you can help support this podcast. Mm-hmm. And also we have this wonderful, amazing channel that goes by the name of Ponal. We have an amazing Patreon that has exclusive content. We have a Discord where you can chat and also give opening questions to this podcast in that Discord. So that'll also be linked down below. And we have amazing merch on ronaldpomo.com. Yes, sir. We actually um, just dropped a a vlog recently um, on our second channel, Pono Ronal. Okay, Big Scalpo. And and the... the, the word on the street is that Big Scalpo is the people's champ. Oh did you guys gosh. see? Did you guys see the outpouring love that Big Scalpo got? You okay, saw this, right? The problem here for us is that people see the end, but I saw you torturing your poor brother along, so I can't look at Big Scalpo as a hero. Okay, Shamir was here through the whole thing. First of all, Shamir, tell us about the scalping game and uh, what you witnessed. Okay, so the scal- I like to say that I changed these two boys' lives. All right, wow. relax. Wow, I love I ch- where this is going. Go I, I, wa- I walk into their house, right? And I see Dara crying. 
right? He's right next to his PS4. Oh my God. He's crying next to his PS4. He's like, my PS4 is broken. And I'm like, yo, I got you. I just copped a PS5 and I sold it. So I can help you get a PS5. I know you want one. And okay. so then I, t- I gave him all the, you know, help that I could provide. And then I tell mm. Frost. And I'm like, yo, Frost, like, this scalping game is, like, awesome, you know? Like, it helps you out. And then he was like, oh, interesting. He didn't, never thought anything of it. And then later that night, that was supposed to, you know, uh, stay up for that link or whatever. And uh, for the scalping, PS5, by the way, is what? Oh, scalping is when you buy something that's like low in supply, high in demand. And so like, you know, and you these, resell it for a lot and, more and you resell it for a lot more. So basically, Mind these you- PS5s and Xboxes have been selling for like 500 or are, are originally 500 bucks and then people have been selling for like a, over a thousand dollars over a thousand yeah and and, so, and dollar's been publicly talking about how he doesn't like scalpers, scalpers. and yeah. all this type of stuff yeah and so uh frost and i were working one night at the same night where they were supposed to stay up and i was like yo frost the best buy link is up and so he's like yo i'm gonna try to cop one he ends up buying three consoles and dara gets zero and so throughout this whole process Right. The next morning, he said he goes to his brother and he's like, "Hey, I got three consoles." And Frost doesn't even game. He doesn't need one. He did, like he's whoa, just whoa, whoa, in it for the ride. I game, bro. You should <laughs> see me on Mario Kart. I'm whooping. I'm whooping that booty on Mario Kart. All right. <laughs> but I think the funnier aspect is that you don't like game on PS5 or PS4. You like you don't care about those nah. consoles. And game for fun with people. Yeah. Like not online, really. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what <laughs> that's what you guys do. You have fun, but and, and so throughout like this whole process, uh, to Dower, he's like, "Call me Big Scalpo." Call me Big Scalpo, and because I because I deserve it. <laughs> oh my god! But see, you see how I provided both these boys the same opportunity. So honestly, right? Shamir, if you think about it, it's not even Frost. Shamir's an instigator. Shamir's Big Scalpo. I'm Grandpa, Papa he's... Scalpo. No, 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 yes, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm Papa. He's not... You're the OG Scalpo. He's the coach. I'm the, he's I'm the, the coach. I'm the grandfather. The Godfather. Grandfather Scalpo. Godfather Scalpo. Yeah. He's the okay. God... <laughs> You guys don't, you don't even get how it works, Amber. You don't just get to come in and throw terms around, right? Why? I, I am voting Shamir being the bigger scalpel ahead of you. You're, you're like big scalpel? No, you're medium scalpel. Shamir's is what, big scalpel. This is what Amber does to try to like, you know, help herself cope with the fact that like, I was able to get something that like not a lot of people were able to do. Look, it's simple oh, as this, Oh, because I right? care so much about the scalping game. <laughs> wow, I need to cope as this. so It's simple bad. as this. It's simple as this, right? I stepped into the game for one night. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was editing a podcast. I was doing this. This is what I do, right? Mm-hmm. But then I, Shamir's like, yo, they got him on sale. I was like, they do? So you're And admitting. then I was like, oh, because I just That's got Shamir one. Shamir put you on. <laughs> and, then, and then he was like, no way. And then I was like, I was like, is, that, is this like that hard? Like, I just got it. It's... Is it usually like, you know, this big of a deal or whatever? And he's like, no, like, it's pretty hard. I was like, oh, because I just got two. And then he, like, an hour later, he told me that the Xboxes were going up, right? I was like, oh, do these sell for a lot? And he's like, yeah, they're pretty good. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, because I just got one. And it was just like one after the other. Basically, what I'm saying is so I two came into the scalping game. I mean, you got two ps I could have been silent. I could have been then, silent. You could have been silent. I was working on my laptop. He was working on his. And I was like, I took down my headphone. I was like, yo, Frost. He He's like, let me educate you. Let me bring you into and, this life. And I was like, yo, the link went up. I, I, he I shared no the knowledge. I'm grateful. <laughs> but 
But at the end of the day, you know, like at the end of the day, I might be Papa Scalpo. The, Papa the luck falls where it's supposed to fall, right? And 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 I'm not in the scalping game anymore. It low-key felt bad. I see that I would get messages from people that are trying to buy off me, right? Like my whole I wasn't gonna do I didn't know what to do with it. I knew mm-hmm. that I either either wanted to like give one away or like for free. Uh but then I saw how how sad my brother was, and then I felt bad. So I was like, all right, I just give it to him. So I was gonna Scalpel gives back, you know, like that was going to be the theme of it at the end of the day, regardless. But uh, when I was, no, I had to sell the others. That's not, what do you that's mean, not no? the, see, that's what I'm saying is along the way when I was, cause I was there the, after you guys had bought them, like later on in the day, mm-hmm. I like um, was hanging out with them and they're like talking about this whole thing. Frost, you can say at the end of the day, I was planning on doing this, but being next to you that day, I felt like I was hanging out with a villain. Oh, I'm a villain. <laughs> what do you what do you mean not like, like can, some like villain turn hero like a villain <laughs> no i'm a, i'm an, i'm not a villain i'm an anti-hero you could ask shamir like from the beginning my plan was give it away like yeah but but mm-hmm. then i was like let me decide what i want to do with it instead but you got to play it up that's what makes it fun like you have to do that part mm-hmm. but what i'm saying is like during the process people are messaging me and i felt so bad at some points but like other people they were kind of annoying because they'd be like Oh my God! Like my kids need this for Christmas, and I was like, "Whoa, need!" That's a strong <laughs> word there. Yeah. <laughs> like it'd be like, "Yo, do the right thing," and I'm just like, "What's the right thing here?" And I'm like, <laughs> "This is this this is the game. People do this with sneakers. People, and I get it because I don't usually do this. I'm not like you know into reselling that much, anyways. But I respect people that are like hustling or whatever. And like yeah. if you like, don't give me a story like, "Oh my God! Like we're poor and like yeah." I, have I, this I think there's a huge difference too. Like if someone let's say the vaccines are limited right and someone buys the vaccines and resells them for like three thousand dollars completely different right like that's messed up because people need the vaccines do people really need these video game consoles I don't know. It seemed based off of Dower's reaction, Frost Brothers reaction. <laughs> it seemed like he like needed one. From I mean, how I he get it. Acting. I get I get people that like are really passionate about it, right? Like, and especially uh, this is for majority of people in this country a holiday that you give the best gifts, and for somebody to see that, like, especially somebody that wants it really badly. Um, you know, that could be a big deal. So I, I'm not like I'm not gonna go back into the game or anything. But uh, basically what I'm saying is I'm the Taylor Hicks of scalping. I came into the game. I won the game. I leave the game. You never going to get it again. I'm the Sanjaya of scalping. Sanjaya of scalping. That's too funny. Uh, speaking of Taylor Hicks and, and that opening American Idol uh, question there, um, I want to introduce our stranger. This one's really exciting. The stranger today is actually... Uh, an extremely talented singer from my hometown of Bel Air, Maryland, that had a viral moment after her American Idol audition caught the ears and hearts of people across the nation. So she talks to us about what happens behind the scenes of these reality competition shows, the touching story of the event that changed her family's life forever, and getting to live out her dreams performing around the country and a whole lot more. Everyone, please welcome this beautiful stranger, Emma Klein. Can we just call it what it is? Everyone knows it's obvious, but you make it a mystery like one and one ain't easy. It's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. Hi, Emma. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in, we just talked about this, but you're in Nashville. Um, yes. How has, have you been to Nashville before? you moved there 
Um, I had been to Nashville uh, one other time, but I visited the college that I ended up going to. So it was kind of like a, a little college visit trip. Okay. What do you What do you miss about? I know there's not much, but uh, the small town of Bel Air. <laughs> Honestly, here's the thing. When I left, I thought there would be nothing I missed. But now looking back and being here for so long, there's so much that I love about Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I I always tell my friends this, like, I have the best friend group still in Maryland. And I love my family. I love being by the water. I kind of miss the seafood, everything like that, being landlocked in Tennessee. Definitely don't get the same (laughs) type of seafood and stuff. But um, Did you take Old Bay with you? I did. I took plenty of Old Bay, and now I've got my boyfriend hooked on Old Bay, and he puts it on everything. And yes. so I'm just slowly making natives. Yes, yes. I, there was one time I went to a um, like outdoor like barbecue thing on Easter a couple years ago, and they had crabs, but there were no there was no Old Bay on anything, and nobody knew how to open them. So I just walked <laughs> around, and I was showing everybody you know, how to open I've the never, crabs. <laughs> I've never thought about having crabs without Old Bay. Now that you said that. Yeah. It just tasted, you know, it was fine, but it just wasn't the same. Uh-huh. Was it just a crab? Yeah. There was like no seasoning on it. There was no seasoning. It was just oh. steamed. It was no steamed n- Nashville crabs. hot sauce or anything. No, no Nashville <laughs> hot crabs. Nashville hot chicken. I'll tell you what, it's no joke. That stuff is good. Oh, we had, we had it. We were the actually season. there um, during this time last year. We were. Oh, in really? Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. What we were, were you guys doing? We had a uh, one of our friends was getting married in uh, Dallas, and then we were taking a road trip back to Maryland. So we wanted to hit all like the okay. southern states, and then you know obviously we heard about Nashville hot chicken, and it, yeah, it was hot. Like it, it was, was really no joke. It's it's <laughs> and we it's, eat a lot of spicy food, but right. it was hot. It's like a different kind of hot because you know I love I just ate Thai food like I love that kind of spice, but then I'll yeah if I have like. Nashville hot chicken spice. It's kind of a not enjoyable spice. It gets to that point sometimes. That's where I'm what like, I say. This yeah. just hurts. I don't like this. It's not <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Is it like a buffalo type yeah, hot? It, no, no, it's just like it's just straight it's spice, no flavor. It's like fire. It's like fire it, in your mouth. It, it just, it's just your tongue hurts. Yeah, no, no flavor, yeah. just spice. <laughs> like, like I there's think, not like okay, a so, sweetness. There's not like mm, a special sort of pepper that you take. It's just like hot. Mm. It's just hot. There's one <laughs> place that I go in Nashville that has hot chicken on a pancake. It's like a honey corn cake with oh. they like drizzle honey and there's pickle like and chicken and waffles type of yeah. It's like kind of like chicken and waffles, but it's hot chicken and it's that's the best I've had because it's not overwhelmingly hot. And then you got mm. the pickles and mm. you got the pancake, which is sounds like a weird combo, but it's very good. Mm. That sounds I, like it. I think sweet and spicy is a great combo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was just made a post yesterday about like you know being in a small town. We we we're privileged enough to like travel um, a decent amount, and mm-hmm. I you know people find it funny, but I love coming back to Bel Air, and I actually love you know the the vibe of just having like a sort of close knit community and mm-hmm. just being away from so much. I don't know if that's how you feel or like if you miss that. Oh, Mountain Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely miss um I miss that. I I I think that the the nice thing about Nashville is that it feels like a little bit of a small town and a city at the same time. But the difference between Nashville and Maryland mainly for me is just like I don't know, the nostalgia of where I grew up and knowing where everything is and 
just yeah. like getting in my car and not really remembering where I'm driving and just being like, oh, here I am at the same place that I grew up going to. Like, I, I love that. Home is just home. And my parents just moved um, to Haverty Grace, Maryland. Mm. Okay. And um, I love it there because now when I go back, like Alex and I will go walk by the water and like you can just see the sun come up over the water every day. It's just, it's gorgeous. And Bel Air will always be home too. It's just, it's it's home. You can't replace it. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, th- I think that's um, part of why your story really took off, especially around where we live. We don't see that a lot from here. Um, mm. So, you know, we obviously a lot of people know you now from the whole American Idol viral video that you had and then everything going forward from there. And people were celebrating, you know, oh, somebody from Bel Air or even just like Maryland. But on top of that, you know, somebody that um, at least our mutual friends um all personally know uh you know what type of a person you are and and celebrating Mm -hmm. kind of the success of somebody who kind of has always uh you know been so talented in that space um so i wanted to i wanted to start off with that the experience of american idol you know we we all see something that happens on tv but Mm -hmm. is that how it goes or is is the process totally different from what you expect the the process is cr- well f- first of all thank you for saying that about the community and everything i'm so grateful for the community like supporting me in bel-air i feel like so many families and communities sometimes don't understand when people have like big dreams i guess and i feel like bel-air ultimately really cultivates people with big dreams in a weird way like there's so much space for support there and i've just felt that so i i'm really grateful for that but american idol was it was wild. Like I had tried out for different reality TV shows since I was 12. I remember I tried out for the X Factor with my mom and I got to like round number six. And there's usually like, I don't know, like 10 rounds before the round. And then sometimes you don't even get Before like being TV in front of the round. celebrity judges? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so, you know, for X Factor, I had, I remember being 12 years old, standing in line for eight hours with the like big, you know, when they would have the bird's eye view, uh, what's it called, shots of everybody like waiting in line. And they really just put you in those circumstances. That way it looks intense. There's no need to be in line for like 10 hours, but they do it in the rain, in the cold, in the heat, whatever. So I tried out for the X Factor, The Voice. American Idol. I did all that probably like up until I was about 17 or 18. And then I was like, ah, this is fine. And then um, because I realized it in college, I, I was like, there are so many ways to achieve the things that I want to do. And this is just like one happenstance way to do it if something were to work out like that with a television show. But really, I fell in love with writing and I was like, it's just going to work out however it's going to work out. It doesn't need to be that way. And then after I graduated, one of my best friends I was in an acapella group with, or it was right before I graduated, he texted me and said he had an audition for Idol and he gave them my name um, so people would be in touch with me. And it was the executive producers of the show. So that would typically be the round, like round number six in like the before audition process. Wait, so your friend auditioned and then gave them your name? Yeah, so they reached out to him on Instagram because they saw him posting... uh, I don't know, like singing videos. And they have mm. people that they just have a team of people that will recruit, basically. Mm. Okay. Um, and so most of the people that you see on these shows honestly get recruited. Like the the odds of someone showing up to the massive in line auditions 
getting through every single round and then winning are pretty slim. Like, if that happens, that's pretty crazy. That's like a walk-on for, like, a sport, like, walking on to the NFL tryout or something like that. And I feel like when Idol... Yeah, you get picked. And I feel like when Idol started, they loved having that diamond in the rough. You know, like, Carrie Underwood, Ruben Stedden, like, these random people that you wouldn't think would be anything from these small towns. But I think that as people got used to that they started to demand more of people that are on the shows. Like now you need to already have a social media following. Like you need to make us look good rather than us make you look good kind of a thing. Mm. Um, Mm. And I think that there's still a bit of the shaping people into what they want them to be in the shows. But But how how are they balancing that? Because they have to have people who aren't good to like, you know, or people who they wouldn't want to pass on to the final rounds to balance that out and make it entertaining. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, like, um, it's, at the end of the day, it's a TV show, so it's, it's said it's a talent show, and even though there's insane talent in it every year, seriously, the craziest talented people, it's a TV show, so it's all casted, so they need to have, like, a girl that's blonde and has a country twang, they need to have a guy that's, uh, sings like Mariah Carey. They need to have, you know, like they just need to have every sort of demographic. It needs to be down. entertaining. It has to be entertaining. They got to have the bad person, the person that they know can grow. Like they're just really uh, calculated in how they're going to plan it. And it makes sense because, you know, they need to have ratings. And I remember like Kelly Pickler was the funniest person on the yeah. show when I was like 14. I loved her. Um, so, so it makes sense. But I didn't have that mentality when I was younger auditioning. And by the time I was, I don't know, probably 21 or 22 when I was on the show now, I was like, okay, cool. This is not, I don't need this. Like, this is an awesome opportunity that just kind of fell in my lap. And that was at a time in my life where I just felt like, um, you know, if it's meant to be, it's going to be no matter what. And I was learning how to say no and how to say yes. It's hard for me to be, uh, it's hard for me to know what I want to do or what I'm supposed to do. And so I just kind of jumped into it. And I was like, you know what? This fell in my lap. I went to one audition. And then they said, cool, we'll see you in front of the celebrity judges in a month. And I was like, wow, that was the easiest shit I've ever done in my life. What? <laughs> so oh. so I was like, OK, I don't know what the plan is here, but I'm just going to say yes. And um, and you I killed kept... your audition. You were Thank you. Inc- like, like literally when you watch certain people, you're like, okay, yeah, I guess they'll, you know, go here and there. But like your voice, your confidence, everything you were in front of, um, Lionel Katie Richie Perry. and Katy Perry. And, uh, who else was the judge? Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Yep. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like? Were you nervous? Were you as confident as you looked? <laughs> oh my God. It was crazy. I felt well, this is TMI. I just was like having the nervous poops all day. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I was so nervous. And I was there with one of my best friends. He played guitar for me. And um, his mom and my mom were there. And the nervousness, yes, it came from singing in front of them. But it also came with, what are they going to ask me about my personal life? Like, I was so nervous how they were going to mm. construe my story, how they were going to make my family look. They were trying to like back me and my friend Sam who played guitar for me into a corner of like, oh, so you guys are dating, right? And we were like, no, shut it down. Like, we don't want that. So because oh, they're trying it's to just pull so, for like a story. Yeah, you just don't know what story they're going to use for you. So my nerves that day came from that. And um, 
literally right before I went into the judges, they told me, um, one of the producers came up to me and he was like, hey, when, when, the, peop- when the judges ask you, why are you doing this? Because they're going to ask you this specific question. Tell them about your brother. And, but he said it like very insensitively. He was like, tell them about your brother's suicide attempt. And I was like, God, what the is that? I was like, I'm literally about to walk into the room and I just had a complete panic attack. And thank God my friend Sam was there because he just was like, you don't need to say anything you don't want to. Like, you don't have to say anything. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, for, for me, I'm like, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want the Alex doesn't even remember what happened to him I'm not going to start talking about that on live television what is that so um anyways I got into the room and then they asked me and I just was all I said was you know we've had a really hard year and my brother's like my role model and um I'm really grateful that we're here and then you know eventually they cued the segment in where they came to Maryland and they filmed my family and and that was after the producers were very kind I had so many phone calls just saying like if we're going to say this story, like, this is exactly how it needs to be told. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to seem like the sympathy thing. I don't want it to, I don't know. I just want it to be, like, awareness and hopeful. Um, so, anyways, they, they handled it really well. But the yeah. the time of the audition, that was, like, my experience. I didn't even really have time to care that it was Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie. I was just, like, these are just people. And I think also the guys, I'm, like, rambling right now. I, I also feel like the guys saying, um... The judges are going to say this specific question made me feel like everything was a little scripted. And I don't know if that's the case, but suddenly I, it felt less like Katy Perry, Lionel Richie and Luke Bryan were judging me and more like they're just there and I'm just there and we're all playing a part in this show. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, if they genuinely like me, that's a bonus. And I think that they did, but, um, also, but it wasn't, it didn't seem that like genuine you're saying. You're saying um, it was all it, like puppeted. Sort yeah, of. it felt a little puppeted. And then, you know, their reaction was amazing. The whole time I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. I, and then it felt genuine. But then when I got cut, uh, you know, one of the things Katy Perry said in the audition, I don't know if they showed it or not, was I can tell you've had so much experience performing. And then when I got cut, she was like, have you had any experience performing? And I was mm-hmm. like, wait. And you only see them like three times, four times during the whole process, really. So I just was like, I don't know if they know me. Um, and that's fine. Like, they're, they've got a lot of sh- going on. But uh, it was cool, though. After all was said and done, I went back to watch my friend Walker, who was on the show till like, the top eight. Um, and, and I saw Katy Perry afterwards. And she said, Emma, how's your brother? And I didn't know she knew my name. And I didn't know she oh. saw my oh, audition wow. really. S- so I was like, OK, that mm-hmm. was really cool. That there's, was really Yeah, nice. I mean, it, it sounds like there's still going to be that sort of, even when they're sitting in front of, you know, all these people auditioning, maybe they're also going through the same thing of being told all these things and then they have to remember. Yes. And, and how are you supposed to remember so many people? But it's yep, it's kind of, yeah, like that's unfair that they, they said that to you uh, beforehand and that really bothers me a lot. Oh, it, or was it just it not, bothered. was it also not enough time to process? Because because it kind of told yeah, you as you're about to seriously. walk in, right? So, so it's not like yeah. you could really truly form what you wanted to say or be able to say back to them that I don't know if I want to do that, right? Yes. Or what, yeah. was this, what was the scenario for you? I just said, I just looked at him and I was like, I, I think I just started crying. And then he came up to me and he was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't realize I thought that was like your story. And I was like, no, like, 
it's fine. I just, I'm not willing to use that as my thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want to just talk to these people as people. Like I don't want to talk to them and be like, this is what, this is my story. So like if they were going to pick me to be on the show, I wanted it to be because of my talent, not because of the story. Mm. So So that was the big thing. How did they even get you to like come up with that? Like, did you have to like list out things in life that was like, big for you and then they kind of helped you build that story or what was like where did that come from how did they know about your brother when I first auditioned I sang an original song that was about my brother and um and they asked me like what's that song about and I was like oh my brother and then later on in the interview process because they did a quick interview before they said you're on to like the celebrity judges they just were like what's been the hardest part of your year and it was such a chill conversation with this one girl Annie and I was like I was like, oh, Annie, like, it's been a shit show. Like, my family this, my family this. And Sam, my friend that was there, was also saying the same thing about his, his life. And it's it was so weird because I was like, simultaneously, I don't want to use this as my in on the show. And I've also watched enough TV to know that if you have a story, it'll be helpful. Exactly what they But do then also, I want people to be aware. So it was just this whole back and forth between what are my intentions? Am I being a bad sister? Like how do I do this in the most authentic way possible? Um, and I, I did not feel like it was authentic to immediately let the judges in on this. Cause I was like, they're probably going to invite my brother in to say hi. And like, I don't want that. I don't want, you know, it was just weird. So I was happy that, I, that eventually I could carry out the story as like awareness, mm-hmm. a story of hope and a story ultimately that would help people who are struggling with the same thing. Um, it was nice to share the story with the world, but yeah, I really struggled on whether or not I wanted to tell it, if that answered your question at all. No. Yeah. But like the way it came off, um, I think it was presented really genuinely. It came off in a way that, you know, um, we could, we could see your parents and, uh, you know, the way that they handled it and everything, and it didn't seem, like, scripted or anything. I remember watching Idol as a kid and always knowing that as long... When they show the story, that person is going through because they wouldn't go yep. and, you know, to somebody's town and, House, and get all right. this stuff. So um, it was it was interesting to see somebody that I know uh, in that same scenario. But also I wanted to ask you, you know, when, when it got like big on Facebook and everything, what was your reaction to processing both a, all the positivity about it, but then also there was like, um, there was a lot of critique about your voice, which at least, you know, it was about you and not anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, people also had a lot to say about the song because it was called American privilege and everybody was like, oh, so you hate being white. You hate America. And I was like, oh, my God. I was Jesus. like, I remember. And, and I was like, it's not worth it to respond. But there was this one guy. And I just he was like, how could you even be on American Idol? Like, you're not you hate America. And I was oh like, sir, God. I love the country I live in. And there's a lot of problems I see in it. And like, I am part of it. So like, I sing this because I'm a white girl in America. And I'm fucking privileged so i'm gonna sing about it and that if doesn't you sit too well with bel-air though no oh my god people were like uh, I, like i'm pretty sure people even close to me were irritated and it's like you know what it's fine like i'm 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 privileged and i'm singing about that and i 
I don't know, whatever. But I was I was excited. Honestly, that was why I picked the song because I thought that it would spark a little discussion. So I thought it was good. But it was only I, a little bit, by the way, for people that don't know. It was very very minimal compared to the like you know tremendous um, yes. output of so much support and love towards just yes. you know your your talent, but also your family. And that was so heartwarming to see. Was it was it, incredible. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, well, was it weird to have, you know, something happen in your family and then all of a sudden have the world know about it? It was, and it was the first time that we spoke about it openly as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone dies in your family, then you kind of have to speak about it because they're they're gone. But if someone's still alive and you experienced a trauma... Um, it becomes a lot more difficult to talk about it because you're still trying to protect the person that's alive. So it's like a loss, but with someone that's still in my life all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the main priority was protecting Alex and um, making sure that it wasn't... uh, yeah, Yeah, just protecting Alex. And then everybody in my community was so supportive. I think that a lot of people didn't even know what had happened. Um, And so I'm sure it was probably pretty jarring for people to be announced, like to to see that announcement in that way. Um, But also it it felt like a good way to present the story to people. Mm -hmm. Like if there was going to be a way to put it out there, it felt like the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was nice. But I, I also feel like, you know, as far as the critiques go with my with my voice and stuff, I I've had that my whole life. Like people are just going to say stuff. And in college, we had a class once a week where we would sing in front of all the other majors that were in music. And their job was to just be like, oh, I didn't like that or I did like this. And so I take what's helpful and I leave behind what's just mean, you know, yeah. and I try yeah, to make have fun. You a really good too. attitude about it. So that's Thanks. really nice. <laughs> It is what it is. There's definitely times that I want to be like, what do you have going you do on it. in your life that you have time to do this? Yeah. But. Um, yeah. No. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I did want to talk uh, briefly about Alex. Um, and you say you want to raise, you know, awareness in your own way. So so I, w- I want to, you know, highlight that a little bit. First of all, by starting out and saying that for those that don't know, I don't know if Shamir and Amber, you even know this, but Alex was a really close friend of mine from middle school throughout high school Mm. he actually uh i made some of like my first videos with him which Mm. is something that i do to this day i'll never forget the boston tea party video that you made (laughs) yeah he so alex and and i know he used to do theater and i guess like uh, singing with you since he was little is that Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah yeah, so I I didn't know that at the time, and you, uh, many of us didn't. But he was mm-hmm. really into that, and I was kind of just like you know doing my thing on the side. And um, I remember one time in like it was a social studies class, and it's with the Boston Tea Party video. But um, like we had to you know choose partners to make some sort of project, and I sat in the back of the class, and Alex always used to sit in the front for like ever because um, he had a hard time paying attention and like he wanted to be up front um and it was it was such a funny thing that he would do but um he like stood up when you know the teacher said you know pick your partners and he stood up and like pointed to me in the back of the class and was like brass i want to be your partner and everyone was like all right bro calm down like why did you do that across the whole classroom but he 
he really, you know, liked uh, my ideas and he wanted to make a video together. And like, we ended up doing that a few times and like showing it to the class and everybody loved it. And um, we ended up making this entire like movie basically after, um, what was it? After middle school that we were supposed to like show to the whole, uh, our whole school. And it like didn't go well because there was, it was extremely offensive to a lot of people, um, but we had like the best time making it. And sometimes I'll still go back and watch it because it's such a funny video. But um, yeah, like Alex was always, uh, from what I remember, like throughout school, just this super confident, courageous person that, you know, was not afraid to be himself. And that was what I always respected. He helped me, you know, uh, along the way be confident who I am because of how confident he was. And he had this love for uh, Jesus and God that was like, you know, people weren't comfortable talking about. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm somebody who who um, loves my faith. And that, again, was like really inspiring to me. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, what I want to I want to uh, hear it from your perspective of like when um, you found out about everything like what was it like being his sister i know you guys uh were obviously very close to process what was going on how did you make sense of it mm. um i love hearing all those stories about alex that's <laughs> awesome I, i'll have to send you like the the video too because i don't know if you've if i you would have love it or that seen it but yeah I'll i don't think i've seen sure. that one i would love that so much i know my mom and dad would too we're dancing He's, in it and everything it's hilarious He's hilarious. Yeah. He's yeah. just always been just like a light, you know, and he, um, yeah, for me processing everything, like I'm still processing it. I've been going to therapy for like four years now. Um, anyways, and I feel like it's just something that I still have only kind of scratched the surface of processing. Um, and it's hard because, you know, trying to process one thing while also simultaneously currently processing the reality in the present moment that he, you know, is relearning how to eat and talk and walk and just function as a human. And, you know, that's really hard to see your big brother um, in that state and like trying to help him in ways that, you know, I would probably be helping like a little brother, you know, like a little, little brother. Can you can you just um, describe what it is that like uh, is the brain condition mm -hmm. um, for people yeah. that don't know what, what you're referring to? Yeah, so my brother has an anoxic brain injury, which is when oxygen has been cut off to the brain for too long. And um, he, like, has, I mean, there's truly no reason he's alive at all. It's straight up a miracle. It's insane. And I believe that it has so much to do with that faith that you were talking about. You know, I think that that is something that saved his life. And he... Yeah, so so he has an anoxic brain injury, and that really looks different on every person. And it's very difficult to know um, in his process of getting better, you know, like, I mean, a huge part of it is it's all brain injury. But then still understanding that there's, like, mental illness stuff happening as well as other things. So there's there's just so many layers to his condition right now but the biggest kicker is the brain injury um because it's especially like um i'm pretty sure it was either the right or i don't know one of the sides of his brain that was affected so now the whole left or right side of his body like is kind of gets turned in and you have to constantly remind him to like fix that um and it's pretty incredible to watch someone learn how to live it's it's weirdly beautiful in a way to think about how like 
every single thing that I do, like my life is a multitude of parts in the sense that I have, you know, like a schedule and a calendar and places to do things to do, whatever. And being around my brother helps me feel so present because he has to learn how to like function in a human body in a way that is like, that is his life right now. And it's, it's kind of beautiful to be there with him through it because it just makes the whole world slow down. And obviously I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but that's kind of the, the light in, in everything has been being present with him and patient with him and just loving on him as he's relearning everything. Um, and you know, when I heard the news, like, I mean, it was just a complete, complete shock. Like he just, there's a whole, there's so much more that I could go into, but he, uh, I know that he's grateful that, that he's here and I know that he's like, you know, however, however he was at a certain point in his life, like we just shower him in so much love constantly, <laughs> just constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love him very, very much. Yeah. And, and I, I will say again, like you have, you know, the most positive outlook um, about this whole thing. I know that like, even during the piece, you describe uh, growing up with the new Alex. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because you are you know this person for obviously your entire life. And then now you're kind of learning to like how what are the difficulties and and, um, and just like the beauties of uh, figuring out separating um, the old Alex from the new Alex. And, and are there like challenges when you try to connect them? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because there are still moments where I'll like see him like totally as old Alex and he's kind of become like new Alex is like a sweet, like I said, he's like a little, like almost like a little brother that I care for. And I, I've never in my whole life been like cuddly with my family in any way. But now when I'm home, I'm just like Alex and we'll just like hang out and I'll just like, like the other week he came in, we watched Shit's Creek in my room till like three in the morning. He just like knocked on my door and like came walking in and we would just never oh, hang shit. out like that. And it, yeah, it's so good. And uh, yeah, so so in a lot of ways, we're closer than ever, um, which I love. But then there are other times where, I mean, it's very clear that he's my older brother and he's been showing it more recently. Like if I try to get on him about like chewing the right way or whatever, he'll be like, stop Emma. Like you're my sister. And I'm like, <laughs> I respect it. I get it. Like, he's like, you're not my mom. And I'm like, okay. And it's, it's pretty infrequent that, that you'll get that reaction out of him on a good day, but you do. And it's, it's funny. Like when he's kind of being a little bit more like stubborn and rude, it's honestly a good sign because it means that he's more aware. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I miss, the thing I miss most about Alex is his just like crazy stories and like going like I I would have loved to have been 21 with my brother, you know, and gone out with him. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved to have, you know, seen him get married one day, have kids. You know, those are all things you like now I'm not going to be an aunt. You know, I can have hope that maybe somehow one day I can be. But that's an adjustment. Um and well do you go through it, like old pictures or videos or like try to remind him or anything like what is that process um like like i just don't know about that at all yeah how that works. he'll ask for his phone to look at pictures and he never usually any other time he's just like wanting to play games or whatever but when he asks for his phone for his pictures it's great because we spark discussion and 
we'll ask him like, do you remember this person? Do you remember this person? And, and he'll say, yeah. And sometimes he'll say no. Or, um, he usually remembers the people from his life and like, I'm sure he'd remember you in middle school and high school, but he doesn't remember like specifics a lot of times. Um, but yeah, he's, a he's always interested because when he does go to his phone, he, he recognizes that every picture stops at 2017 because there's like nothing past that point. Um, so the other week when he said something about it, I was like, let's take pictures. So you have other things to look at other than, you know, just oh. pictures from 2017. Um, yeah. And he has like full understanding of it or I mean, like, like understanding of what happened. Um, to him. Yeah. No, he doesn't know. He doesn't remember that he attempted suicide. Uh, he knows he has a brain injury, but sometimes he forgets he does. And we'll have to remind him. And I think that the reminder is, you know, like one day we were trying to open crabs or like we were eating crabs and he was trying to open one. He had a mallet and his hand just like couldn't get steady enough to do it. And you could just see on his face how frustrated he was about that because it's just such a like easy task. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just have to remind him like, hey, like you have a brain injury. Like there's a part of your brain that's not working. It's not your fault. You're doing a great job. Like you're just having to really focus here. Like you you really have to, fo- if, if you get your hand cut off, you know, you can't use it. It's like, if you get like a part of your brain mm-hmm. that dies, you just, just, it's amazing when he has the good days that he does. Like those days are miracles truly, because I don't know how he does it with, yeah. you know, how bad it can get too. What was your uh, yeah. parents, I guess, reaction to all this and how has their lives adjusted? I mean, like, my mom had to go back on her job. My dad had to go into early retirement. And one of his jobs, I think, I could be wrong, um, they, my mom is now one of, like, had to sign up for an agency to be a caretaker for him. They have to have a caretaker. Like, uh, at first it was every day and one that would stay through the night and watch him. And now it's not that way. It's uh, our sweet TT. She comes over every other day and she watches him and she's amazing um so you know it's been a lot on them financially it's been a lot on them mentally emotionally but they've kind of gotten into a place where it's a little bit of the new normal and they're um like not it's not a way that they want to continue to live by any means but they they help me uh in every way feel like it's okay that I'm in Nashville that I you know like even though they're struggling in Maryland they make it clear that they're happy that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, so that's been really great as a daughter and sister to feel like affirmed that I'm in the right place, even though it's hard. Wow. Emma, how do you make sense of all of this going forward on your approach to life, on how you look at other people, of what you uh, you know, think about mental health and, and even your faith? Mm. Um. I I feel like it changes a little bit every day. When it initially happened, I think it was the strongest my faith has ever been in like a weird way because when something so drastic happens, I feel like the only thing you can turn to is is that, you know? And and I still my faith is still one of the most important aspects of my life. It just looks a lot different now. Um in the sense that you know, I've had a lot of big questions for sure 
the past year, a lot of deconstructing and Christianity and like, you know, curiosity, but I've, I've kind of come around to like this more universal perspective of things, um, uh, like very open and, uh, freeing space for me has been to just kind of look at God as, you know, this universal truth that like this universal love, this being that like covers us in grace every step of the way, like no matter who you are, where you are, how dark of a place you're in. And, um, and Alex and my family is such a reminder of that. You know, I used to, this is funny. I used to pray and like always imagine like Jesus, God, whatever that looked like. And then the Holy Spirit, whatever that might look like, like as I'm sitting and praying. And recently it's been like kind of cool when I sit down and pray, I'll like have this visual of like Jesus and God and the spirit and Moses and Abraham and my ancestors and like just everything like before and after me, like this like universal presence of like goodness and light and love. And um, it's been really cool to sort of step into that place um, with Alex too, you know, and when I'm around him, like my favorite thing about him, well, not my favorite, but you know, when we're still home and we'll be at dinner, if you know, even if he hasn't talked at all all day and he's had a really hard day, if you ask him to pray, it'll suddenly be like the most eloquent words. And he's just always like ready to go, wow. um, which is really beautiful. Um, I do. I do so, want to highlight this quote that you had in this, um, in this post that you made that I really uh, liked. You said, I don't think the point of faith is to fix brokenness. And I don't think that brokenness is evil. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I what don't. Is, I've, what'd yeah, you say? Go ahead. Well, I was going to uh, ask like what you exactly meant by that. I feel like a lot of times, so I also have OCD, which is something I've learned this past year. Um, and my OCD specifically centers around relationship and religion. So mm-hmm. I have this absolute need to be certain. Um, and I think a lot of people have a desire, but when you have OCD, it's an obsessive compulsion to seek certainty and, and answers. And so for a long time, I thought that the thing that needed to be done was to fix all that was wrong, all that was misunderstood, all that was broken. Um, and and I think that me saying that then is and now still rings true. Like brokenness is this beautiful thing that binds us all together. I remember when Alex was in the hospital going to the chapel and there was a mosaic on the wall and mosaics are just gorgeous because it's like just shattered glass like everywhere and it creates this one picture and that's kind of what I think about like every aspect of life is a little story every piece of pain is just like another broken piece of glass and and in the end it all makes this one beautiful thing and I think that God the universe has the ultimate perspective of that huge picture and that combines evil and good and light and love and hate it's all a part of it um and i think it all works together to create the ultimate thing of of love of god of life of beauty and so i feel like you know when this first happened there were two ways i could have responded i could have been like why why us and that's definitely i've had those days but ultimately i'm like you know i have to accept that what happened happened and it's a part of something greater than myself. And, you know, I don't know if there's like predestination and like it was supposed to happen that way, but it did happen that way. And I accept that. And I think that 
there's always a way out with love and grace and God involved. So that's just kind of where I've been moving in my life and in my faith. Yeah. No, Emma, thank you so much for even sharing all of that. We're really humbled thank that, you. you know, you're yeah. Yeah, open you. enough to uh, share your story with us and everybody listening. Um, and, you know, that, that we can continue to follow and learn from the way that you handle this. And knowing that, you know, uh, you being honest with like, you know, that every day is not that way. And I'm sure it's there's very, very heavy days. But the, the, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you're uh, you're able to process that out loud is incredible to watch and and learn from so thank you for for being yeah. open about that story it's hard yeah. it's hard definitely but you know it helps other people and it has like we've seen online the reaction i read so many of those posts that like you know people relate to it in different ways and um you know it felt good for them to see it so that's incredible to see yeah thank you so much the outpouring of people who've related has been incredible oh my gosh it's insane and that's when i'm like Yeah, this was all for something because I feel like just like the for me to feel less alone and for them to feel less alone. It's worth it for that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, during this whole thing, um, as you're processing it and all that, your your family also got to, you know, celebrate you in a way. And you got to celebrate you in a way when after American Idol kind of walk us through what what happened. So you didn't you didn't uh, you made it to Hollywood. And then, you know, you had this dream of performing on a beach and all of that, you know, like, uh, did you make it to the, was it Hawaii? That was the next part? Oh, yep. Hawaii, the top 40 is where I got cut. Okay. So what happened from, from that point on? Like you're, you're the, the whole dream of being a singer didn't get shot dead there. So what happened? Yeah. Um, so I, it's funny because that day that they were making cuts, I was honestly praying I would get cut because you have to like sign some sort of a contract if you go to the top 20. And I don't know. I don't really know what the ins and outs of it were, but I was like, honestly, I don't necessarily want to be in L.A. for three months. Like if it's what's supposed to happen, let's do this. I'm on board. But like if I get cut. That'd be kind of nice, too. So that way I can, like, go back to Nashville, really develop as a writer and as an artist. And, like, you know, hopefully this this whole experience kind of shoots me a little bit forward in the right direction. Um, I feel like that's kind of the goal. Is most people said while we were on Idol, like, the good majority of contestants were hopeful that they would get far enough to, like, have it help their career, but not win. Because if you win, then it's kind of like you're tied to that company um, and you're tied to that brand forever. Mm-hmm. So I I got cut, the day I got cut, I got interviewed by Bobby Bones. He's the mentor on the show. And he does, um, he's a country music radio DJ here in Nashville. Um, and he had just won Dancing with the Stars and he was interviewing me. I didn't really know him. And he was like, where do you live? I was like, Nashville. He's like, same. He was like, do you play any instruments? I was like, um, yeah, I play like guitar and piano kind of. He's like, oh, sweet. Like I've been looking for a piano player for my comedy music tour. He's like, maybe after this is all done, like you can come play for me if you get cut. And I was like, all right, sure. That sounds great. So I got cut and and then I, I messaged him on Instagram, realized he's never going to see this because he had like a million followers. And then that like the next day I was on a hike and ran into him just at like a random oh. lake in Nashville. 
just ran into him. And it's like, if I hadn't parked my car, like I was trying to park in one place, but I had to park in a different place because the lot was full. Someone had just taken the last spot. So I had to park in this one. Anyway, the way that it worked out made it so that way I ran into him. It was insane. And he was like, Emma? I was like, Bobby? He was like, you still want to come out on the road? And I was like, I messaged you. He was like, I'll message you back right now. And so literally the next day I went over to his house and I was like, listen, I know I said I play piano, but I'm I'm not that great. I don't know if you want me to be like your keys player. And he's like, you know what? I just you know, just have fun. You'll get a chance to like sing a couple songs too. And, you know, I'm sure you can, you'll be fine. And I was like, all right. So I started immediately taking piano lessons and I was like, all right, I need to learn how to play piano. So (laughs) uh, like two weeks later, we were out in California playing a show and like literally I just kept turning the volume knob down because I was like, I sound so bad. It's fine. (laughs) And then I proceeded to do I was doing like a mix of superstition into one of my songs, Call It What It Is. And I didn't remember that it was a medley. I just was like, this is the longest version of superstition to ever exist. And finally, I look back and everyone's like, it's the next song. It's the next song. And I was like, oh, my God. So anyways, we ended up playing a medley for like 12 minutes. It was terrible. But uh, (laughs) my friend Walker that had gotten me the audition on Idol just got cut after I had played maybe four shows as the piano player. Walker's a phenomenal piano player. So Bobby was like, Emma, what's Walker's number? And I was like, I know, he's firing me, I suck. And so he he was like, how would you like to open and Walker plays keys? And I was like, um, yeah, that sounds great. So uh, then I went on tour with him and my best friend, Walker, played piano the whole tour and it was just crazy. We got to tour the country and... Um, yeah, it is insane. That's and, awesome. Yeah, that that insane. is insane. What was it? What was that like? Because I know uh, I've I've looked up is Bobby Bones and the Raging Idiots. Like that's their yes. that's what they were touring as, and uh, I've seen some of their content, and it's like really funny. It's bizarre. It's like really outlandish stuff. But I'm guessing the tour was something like that. What what was your experience of going around the country with, uh, as they call themselves, the Raging Idiots? Yeah. So when I was playing the shows for the Raging Idiots, they do two separate things. They did one tour, um, just a couple tour dates. And then they did one actual tour where it was just Bobby, Eddie, his producer, and they sing songs together. And it was just their guitars and then the piano. So at that point, I was very like, like vulnerable. It was just all you could just hear piano all the time. So that was nice when Walker stepped in. But initially we were doing huge shows with a full band and it was crazy. And then it became like uh, theater venues and um, smaller shows. Like, I mean, huge audiences, but smaller production level. And it was just me and a guitar every every time. And I had never, one of my goals on my wall was to be able to play an hour set by myself with a guitar. I'd never done it before. And so when Bobby asked me to tour and he was like, you can't bring a guitar player. Like you need to play for yourself. I was like, all right. So I just did the same thing. And I was like, I'm going to put together an hour set. And, um, I fell in love with the order. It ended up being this, like, I just told this story every week of it was six songs that followed a relationship and like just so happened that I'd written all these songs in order and they told a pretty funny but sad story. So I just did that every week. Um, yeah, it was a blast. Bobby and I would sing a song together. That was comedy. It was like a funny, 
It was just funny because I would like sing sad songs like at a comedy show. And I'd be like, I don't know why he chose me to open, but here you go, everybody. Uh, well, you yeah, know, like your was... songs are they, they although they, you know, do pertain to relationships and, you know, um, in some themes, heartbreak and stuff like that. They're very they still seem very positive. They're like they're feel yeah. good. <laughs> Thank you. The ones that have been coming out, I've kind of done that on purpose. The only ones I have out right now are the most up they get. It's kind of downhill. So it'll just kind of get a little bit more dark as time goes on. It'll, I'm, I'll definitely keep it fun. Eventually I'll get back there. But there's like, it's like I have three upbeat and like probably like 13 that you're like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, I swear I'm good. This is just, this is just what I've been doing the past four years. <laughs> um, but thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, you have to put it into your music. Where, where else are you going to put right. it into if you can't, you know, express yourself in that way? Yeah. But I did want to ask you about like, you know, what is that process of the, the themes you come up with when it comes to writing and recording something like what, what do you do? Uh, where do you get your inspiration from? Who are people you look up to? And what do you try to create at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so through Bobby, his manager, Tom Betchy works at red light management and he told me he came and saw one of the shows. And right afterwards he was like, send me an email. I want to help you. And he was like, I think we can get you a publishing deal. And I was like, that's the top goal on my goal wall. Like I would love that. And, um, within a few months, I, <clears throat> had taken a couple I'd gone on a couple writing retreats with um a publishing company and then I signed and so now you know I write full time I write every day and um basically every day I've got people that are in charge of my calendar so every morning I wake up and I just see who am I writing with today oh you fancy <laughs> it's crazy I'm like who am I writing with today and we'll just write, write a song yeah we've been writing through zoom right now um at first, I was like, this COVID thing's going to last like a couple weeks. Like, let's yeah, just we all wait. Thought that. And then, <laughs> yeah. So now we've all truly become experts at Zoom writing. Uh, <laughs> it's weird because you won't know someone at all and you'll meet them and, you know, first be like, who are you? Where are you from? What makes you happy? Okay, let's write something super intimate over Zoom. Yeah. Um, but the writing process for me uh, is is my favorite thing. It's the best. I love it. I love keeping track of song ideas that I have. Um, basically, I'll just like think of an idea, put it in my notes. And then whether I'm writing it by myself or with someone else, I just, I kind of let the, sometimes the melody comes first, sometimes the lyrics do. It's pretty random, but the biggest thing is always serving the song. It's kind of like a Michelangelo with, with um, marble, like, the statue's already there in the block. He just carved it out. Mm. And I always think about that. It's like the song's there. It's just kind of like you have to listen. It's like it's a pretty spiritual thing. And I think most songwriters would say the same thing. Like you just have to really listen yeah. and like be present. And just suddenly you have a song and then you'll. The recording process is awesome, too. I love f focusing on how I want things to be sonically. And a huge part of that is listening to different music, which is awesome. Like my boyfriend has a studio and he loves to listen to music. So he's really helpful with with those things for me. Do you, do you record in a studio or different studios? Yeah, I do. I, I do sometimes I'll record. Um, 
I'll record at some different studios in Nashville. It just depends on the sound. But he he plays drums for me. Um, so that's very that's very handy. Yeah, it's convenient. it does sound like it. <laughs> I love this. I don't know if you've been doing this. I just saw it for the first time, but you had this thing that was like songs. Um, I What is it? Songs I wrote based off of songs I didn't write. Yes, and, uh, I just started that. It's amazing. So you were talking about like in the one that Thank you just you. said, you were like uh, Maroon 5 has this song about change. And and you just caught on that like, oh, did they mean uh, with the payphone? I'm... Uh, what was the line that like I? It was like this... a, all the change I spent on you, right? And and, and like, thinking oh. of it as in like money or like you know actually changing, and then you came up with this whole concept of like you know exchanging like currency, but it, not like actual money currency, but exactly. asking them to change in that way. That was really cool uh, to to like you know hear you go through like uh thank you using inspiration live and then um you know making a song out of it was that really thank fun for you. you it was so fun for me i uh i love writing stuff that way and i honestly didn't think people were gonna like it that much i feel like in social media is weird i'll like post something and like it, it never does what you think it's gonna do it's always different i'm always like oh okay but people seem to like that and i was so excited because i was like oh i love writing songs this way so i'm super excited to just keep doing that and sharing that process. Um, I had a song idea the other day. I was like, maybe it shouldn't be called songs I write based off of songs I didn't write, but like based off of things I didn't write because I was watching the movie, The Holiday the other day. And she was like, I don't want to fall in love alone. And I was like, is that Queen Latifah? Then I just wrote a, no, that's, um, that's a different movie. It might also be called The Holiday, but there's one with um, Jack Black. There, yeah, there's one with Jack Black and like Kate Winslet, I think. I don't know. Oh, but oh, I just watched okay, okay, it the okay. other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's yeah, kind of cheesy. Yeah, I know that one. It's good. When but you said I, Jack Black, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I I heard that. And then and then the other day I wrote that song with a with another guy in Nashville. I was like, I think we could do something. And that's really, um, it's really fun. Like I'll just constantly, when I was a waitress for a while, I would just hear people say random stuff at their table and I was like oh that's such a good line or like if if I'm ever in an argument mm. and then someone says something I'm like wait a second that was so good give me <laughs> hold, the, hold this argument for a second let me write I'm like one second it's <laughs> like that was that was so good how you just said that and that's I feel so like funny. Garrett Garrett writes too my boyfriend so we'll both do that so he'll just be like wait that's so good and I'm like okay, let's pause, record pause. this and then and then you get back to screaming at my face that's exactly. so funny no I like it because you know when you do your social media you're a weirdo I know that and you're and your <laughs> your brother he was a huge mm-hmm. weirdo and that was the yeah, best yeah. thing about him like mm-hmm. and and when somebody is you know just openly just a weirdo and people mm-hmm. see that they know that like we're all that way when we're not yeah like before you turn the camera on, you're doing all types of weird things. And then you turn the camera on and you're like in this professional thing. Like we all do it. But yes. I like that you're just like, you know, what? I don't care. And you just hit record and just be. And that is like, Thank I you. think. Do you ever think about like how you're going to present yourself as this artist now who is Emma Klein and like, you know, uh, being this industry person? Like, do you ever think about those things versus like just being yourself on social media and who you like really are in real life? It's the hardest thing. It's really the hardest thing. And I feel like, you know, I've sat down and like worked with management 
stuff before where we're like, okay, what's your brand? And I'm like, honestly, I think that part of my brand is the casualness. Like, I think that is what I have been embracing is the authenticity aspect and the real aspect. Because, you know, I think about my favorite actresses like Emma Stone is one of my favorite. And I feel like that's and Saoirse Ronan. I don't know if you guys ever. I just love them because every time I watch an interview of them, they're just so themselves and it feels Mm. real and not put on. Um, And I feel like there's just enough of that in the world. But what's hard is that you still need to make things visually appealing sometimes. You still need to make things, you know, professional to an extent. So it's like, it's a fine line. And sometimes, you know, I'm about to do like a video promo shoot thing tonight. And I've been going back and forth on whether or not I want to write a little script for it or if I just kind of want to wing it. Um, and so it's like those things that I'm constantly wondering. I'm like, I don't want things to ever come across as like, as fake. That's my biggest pet peeve. I feel like I can, well, just, they don't. I can tell when, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I hope not. So yeah, yeah. to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. So Emma, what's next for you? Where are you going? What can people look forward to? I know you have, um, butterflies, call it what it is and down out as singles right now, which are all incredible, by the way, people need to go listen. But what's, what are you uh, currently working on? What do you want to let people know to look forward to? I am going to be releasing my first EP um, this the second week in January, I want to say. Um, and I'm going to make an official announcement about that um, pretty soon. But yeah, that's going to be all the songs that are out so far, plus plus two more. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And... Um, just going to keep writing and sharing more of the stuff that I'm writing. But yeah, you can definitely expect more music, a lot more music. And I'm, I'm excited to share it. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone uh, go in the description and um, follow, follow Emma and listen to her music. It's really fantastic. Um, and Emma, again, like, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing your story, giving us the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you. know you have that video shoot tonight. Thank you, guys. Um, but it means a lot, uh, you know, and, and we wish you the best of luck going forward. So thank you for all that. It means a lot to me. Thank you guys so much. And if you guys ever want to do anything or collaborate or whatever, let me know. Because I just I love meeting new people. And it's you guys are really fun to talk to. <laughs> just come just come do our show uh, in in um whenever you come yeah. to Maryland, come come perform live. And whenever all of this is over, then um. Uh, you know, go. Would you do it at Ocean City? I know you said oh, that. Oh like, yes. You want to do a <laughs> I would thing. love that. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have yeah. To do that. Um. So this is Strange Flavors. We ask our guests one very important question at the end of every podcast. Shamir, do you want to take that away? Sure. Uh, if you could describe yourself as any flavor, what would it be and why? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like it would be. We were kind of talking about this earlier, but maybe like a spicy honey. Like something sweet, but a little bit like it just like sticks around for a little while. Like um, like I want to be like a long lasting, long lasting flavor that's like got a little bit of spice to it, a little bit of heat because it's real. But but also it can like you can add it to things to like make it have a little bit more flavor. Well, that's perfect. That'll definitely <laughs> last. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's amazing. A good one. awesome thank you all right emma thank you so much uh good luck with everything and sending you know you your family lots of love and um you know a nice happy holidays 
Thank you. You guys as well. Have have a great rest of your day, week, month, year, everything. <laughs> thank you. And for everybody else, thank you for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. How do I tear it up?